0: We are traveling through the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 12, right at the end. So let's stand and let's read together as we see what happens here. We left off in verse 11 of chapter 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Hims, obviously the devils that that has been cast down at the last part of verse 10. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice all heavens and you who dwell in them. Yeah, because the devil has been kicked down. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she's nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But because God is still very much in charge of everything, the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he meant to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Father, this morning, as we turn our hearts to your word, oh God, I pray that your word would find that good soil in our hearts and that your word would get placed in there, God, by your spirit, and that your word would grow in our lives this morning, that fruit would be born that other people would partake of in these last days that we're living in. God, help us to have ears to hear, Lord, what you want to speak. Lord, help us to have hearts to receive, Lord, what you want to accomplish in our lives today. And so, Lord, please just bless our study in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The beast cometh. That's where we're going to be as soon as we get to chapter 13. We've got to pick up a few things that we left off from last week. But when you look at verse 12, heaven is totally stoked about the devil being kicked out. I mean, look, they're rejoicing. But, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. And here's why. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath. And why? Well, we look back. Because we know he has a short time. So somewhere in the midst of this seven-year period, the devil has a total reality check and realizes he's not going to win. He all of a sudden realizes he's going to be the loser. Game over. You know those video games? You you see that sign that says, game over. It's like, ah, more quarters. And all of a sudden the devil has this total place of reality and he starts to realize his worst nightmare is going to come true. That what awaits him is the bottomless pit where the worm never dies and that enrages him in a greater way than anything we could see today. And he's going to go out after those tribulation saints that are still alive. But, and notice, look at verse 13 when he realizes what's going on. Now when the dragon saw he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And with all of your authority because you were here last week, who is the woman a sign of? The woman a sign of? Say it like you mean it. Israel. Israel. We saw it. Look at the start of the chapter. It says he saw these signs. And so the devil's going to go after Israel. Because see, the devil hates the Jewish nation because he hates God's plan of salvation that's been brought to us through the Jews. That's why you and I should never engage in satanic Jewish bashing. See, the devil loves it when the Jews are put down. But please know this, they are God's chosen people and God takes notice of that if his people engage in that. I mean, God told Abe back in Genesis 12 those, who you, those people who bless you, they will be blessed. Those people who curse you, they're going to be cursed. And look around the world. I mean, you want proof that's true? The nations that bless Israel are blessed. And the nations that curse Israel, they're living the struggle. And the day our country decides we're no longer going to bless Israel, that's the day we're all in big trouble. Even though the devil is, at this time of being cast down, will increase his hatred towards God's people. Look how this reads here. But but the woman who was given two wings of a great eagle. Now, first of all, that is not America. I understand you may have heard that. That's all man-made stuff. And I'll make a great case for why it's not America. America is not in the end time scene. I'm sorry to, you know, disinhearten you in some way. But I understand man makes stuff up. We're not. And God has these great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. And we talked about where God is taking her to this place that he's prepared, where she's nourished for a time, one year, and times, two years, and a half a time, a half a year. So three and a half years total from the presence of the serpent. This obviously would probably be at the tail end of the three and a half of the seven year tribulation. So the last three and a half years, God will nourish his people just as he cared for them in the wilderness as they traveled through that desert for 40 years. But here's why this will not be America, because America is going to lose all true believers when the church is raptured out of here. So all that's going to be left are a bunch of haters of Israel. Well, and those who give their life to Jesus, but think about this. We just read that the devil's going to make war against them. So there's no way America's going to be in this end time scene trying somehow to seek Israel after the rapture. Not going to happen. This word nourished is the same Greek word in verse 6 where we're told that God will feed the woman for 1,260 days or three and a half years. So no one's going to want to be around during this time. Look at verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the one. The earth, you know, it's like this giant sponge sinkhole effect. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And again, this is Israel or possibly Jews who are probably born again as you look at verse 17 because he's enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, obviously the nation of Israel, but it says the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So these are born again Jews. Because if you go to Israel today and you talk to young people and, you, and go, hey, what do you know about Jesus? They look at you they go, what, what are you talking about? Who is that? They have no clue. They've never heard it. So this could be Gentile believers, but certainly it's Jewish converts to Jesus as well. So the signs in heaven, the war in heaven, the persecution of Israel by Satan, it all points to the last half of the tribulation period, it seems, when Satan is raging against God's angels. We saw that battle last week, and against God's people. We're going to see that all the way down through here. And what we need to understand is the, the Antichrist, who God calls as the beast, comes on the scene and helps the Jews get their temple rebuilt you know, sets the world back in some type of order. But then at three and a half years or so, he goes in and demands to be worshipped. And the Jews realize, oh, we've been suckered. And they take off. And then the, the, the beast, you know, he enrages himself against God's people. But here's what we need to understand. All of this is taking place according to God's perfect plan. You know, uh, th- this all plays out according to God's perfect purposes. You know, God's not up there in heaven going, hey, what happened to the angels? You know, you know, he's not up panicking or anything. No, this is all part of his plan. Everything. Chapter 13 moves us from heaven to the earth as John is fixated on what he sees as he gazes at the sea. Look at verse one. Then I stood on the, please notice, the sand of the sea because the beast is coming. And I stood on the sand of the sea And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now, from this description, you would think, who would follow after this? I mean, who in their right mind could ever would ever want to follow after a creature with seven heads and ten crowns and uh, ten horns? But see, these are descriptive words. You know, John's writing from the view of heaven with symbols. On the outside, this beast will be a smooth talking, politically charged, charming, charismatic problem solver that leads and gets things done. He doesn't just say he's going to do it, he does it. And the world's going to love him. But here's what we need to know from God's vantage point, as God strips away the facade of the man, he sees a beast, he sees his character. I mean, that's not what the world sees, but that's what God sees. See, today the world is looking for peace, and rather than looking to the Prince of Peace or the King of Kings or the Lord of Lords, the only one who can bring peace to an individual and to this world, the world's going to bypass the truth and settle for a counterfeit. Can you imagine? Now, we don't want the truth. We just want, well, we want the anti-Christ. On the outside, some of the charm of Jesus this beast will have, but on the inside, he's going to be evil as the devil himself. Now, with that all being said, as followers slash believers of our Lord Jesus Christ, too many believers today are trying to figure out who the Antichrist is or could be or whether or not is he alive. But listen, let me challenge that. The Word of God commands us to be looking for the return of Jesus Christ and not the Antichrist. Amen? Amen. I mean, nowhere does it say anything to be looking for that. There are sidetracks. There are parts in the church that get everybody turned sideways. And if that is not causing you to be on fire for Christ, you're looking for the wrong person. You should be looking for the return of Jesus Christ. This Greek word that John uses for beast is therion. Interesting definition it means wild animal, savage, ferocious, brutal. A dangerous animal. A venomous beast. Kind of sounds like something you'd find in a G.I. Joe movie that needs to get put down. I mean, but that's how God sees this politically charged, charming individual. That's how God sees him. But to deceive mankind for these seven years on earth, they're only going to see the outside. They're going to see him as their savior, their messiah. One worthy to be worshiped. But as God strips away the outer layer, this beast comes as the evil incarnate, and Satan himself gives him power to do his will. See, if you look back at verse 3 in chapter 12, the description of the beast here is very similar to that of the devil. Thus, the beast is similar in some ways to the devil, but he's also different. As the beast becomes part of God's, or the devil's ungodly trinity. Because the devil's going to try and mask what God has. Now the good news is, John tells us that the heads, the horns, and pops, possibly the sea, he tells us what they represent if we look ahead to Revelation chapter 17. So if you look at Revelation chapter 17, and in verse 9, here's what, here's what we read. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which this woman sits, or seven rulers, or seven nations. And we'll go into that in greater detail when we get there. Look down at verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as of yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beasts. And then if you skip down to verse 15, then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So it's possible that you and I, we get a definition of the waters. But if you look back at what we see here in chapter 13, it clearly says John was standing on the what? On the sand. What do you think of when you think of sand, if you're not at the pl- at the park? You're yeah, thinking about the beach. So, is it a sea of people? Is it just the, the sea? I don't know. It seems he's standing on the sand and the beast arises out of the sea of water and he becomes the geopolitical economic leader of the entire world. At least that's what the people of the world would think when they look at this antichrist or this beast-like creature. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. Again, all symbols here. Like, notice the words like a leopard, like a bear, like a like a lion. These three different animals, as you look at Daniel chapter 7, they represent different world empires. We saw all, all of this in Daniel chapter 7. If you want to turn there, you turn back, you know, find Ezekiel, right at the end of Ezekiel, the big book. Hard to, not hard to miss. Go to the middle of your Bible, turn to the right, about a half inch, and you're going to land right on it. But we saw in Daniel chapter 7 that the leopard represents Greece or the Grecian Empire, the bear represents the Medo-Persian Empire, and the the lion represents the Babylonian Empire. But in Daniel's vision in chapter 7, specifically in verse 7, Daniel describes a fourth beast who historically represented the Roman Empire. But but look at this. Let me read this to you out of Daniel 7.7. And behold, a fourth beast... A dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. Certainly that represents the Roman Empire. That's, when they came, they crushed everything. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with his feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. So if you remember, when you follow Daniel 7 down to verse 11, this beast is destroyed by God. See, when Jesus comes back at the end of this seven year tribulation period, just seconds before the battle of Armageddon starts, which will start and end in seconds, but Jesus comes back on his white horse and it says, Those who are with him come with him. So we're coming on our horses as well. Where those horses are, I have no idea. But we're coming back with them. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, the beast, this one right here that we're seeing in in Revelation 13. And the false prophet, the devil's two main characters, are going to be captured and cast alive in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. That's the very place the devil's going to end up. So this fourth beast, many commentators see here in chapter 13 as the beast that's rising out of the sea. And it very well could be as we make our way back to Revelation 13. This beast that John saw, no doubt, He will move with the cunning, craftiness, killer instinct of a leopard. He'll have that slow and methodical crushing power of of a bear. Certainly the beast will operate that way. And yet the fearless authority and character of a lion as he comes on the scene. Man, he starts slow, but at the very end, he's governing the entire known world. Look at the last part of verse 2 here, the dragon you look back from chapter 12, verse 3 and chapter 12, verse 9, we know the dragon's the devil. The, the, devil, or the dragon, or the de- also known as the devil, gave this beast his power because every new dictator needs power. This, the, the dragon gave this beast his throne because every new dictator needs a title and a throne and a place to rule. And, he, and, the, and the dragon gave him great authority because every great dictator needs the ability to act and carry out his will on the people i mean who else did the dragon offer all of this power throne and authority to do you remember who did the de- who did the devil first often dr- throne power and authority to yeah jesus did jesus said no no i'm not not uh-uh. it is written thou shalt not and so here he comes he's going to offer it to his beast You know, this guy's going to be the masterpiece of the world. And no wonder, right? Because he gets all his power, authority, and his throne from the devil. But let me remind us all that the devil gives the beast all of this because God allows it. We have to be reminded as we go through this. Things are not out of control. Things are exactly the way God has put it. You know, there's a lot of names in the scriptures for this beast that rises out of the seas. Daniel calls this beast the little horn the king of fierce features, the prince who is to come and the willful king. Jesus calls the beast the one who will come in his own name and people will receive him. We know the Jews receive him. Paul calls him the man of sin, the lawless one. Only John in 1 John calls the beast the Antichrist. The word Antichrist only shows up four times in the Bible. And yet you and I, if we are talking about end time scene, probably use the word Antichrist more and the beast less. And yet God has flipped it all the way around. You know, I went back through my study. I was taking out Antichrist, Antichrist, and inserting beast. Because the Antichrist only shows up four times in the Bible, where the word beast shows up 37 times in the book of Revelation alone. So it's obvious what word God wants us to use. You know, Antichrist, eh, it's not a bad word. It's not good. Beast, whoa. But that's what God wants us to have in mind. This person who's coming on the scene. We need to know we're talking about, yes, the Antichrist, but we need to use the words that God used. He's the beast. He's the one that's going to rule and and govern and and be harsh. He's a beast. Just like the devil. You know, we got the devil, we got, you know, Satan. No, he's a dragon. See, the the words and vision pictures and imaginations in our own mind as you think about what these things are going to be like. I mean, that's who John sees coming out of the sea here in verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Some believe the beast will be a victim of an assassination attempt when he's wounded. It very well could be. See this word wounded in verse 3? If he hurt himself, it would be an injury. So this is the wound that someone inflicted upon him. Plus, if you look down at the last part of verse 12, it says, whose deadly wound wound was healed in the last part of verse 14, who was wounded by the sword and lived. So he's attacked, but he survives. And the easiest way to describe the beast that's wounded and lives is is he becomes kind of like the modern-day Superman that, you know, all the world marvels at. Wow, that's amazing. So I doubt if it was just a little cut on the arm. You know, does he get decapitated and comes back to life? I don't know what it's going to be like. But the world's going to marvel as they look at this. And as they marvel at this beast, it's going to bring them one step closer to worshiping him. Because that's where we're going to end up before this chapter is over. They're going to move from marveling to worshiping him. And so think about this. The world today that doesn't want anything to do with our Jesus, so many don't, but many do. They just need to hear it from us. But that world that's left behind, that says, no, we don't want, we want the Jesus that you worship, they're going to worship the devil. Think about it. They're going to be devil worshipers. Like, true. You know, not like, ooh, I got a pentagram on my head, I'm a devil. Worship. No, these, they're going to actually worship the devil. Look at verse 4. So they worship the dragon, also known as the devil, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Can you say suckered? I mean, they're suckered. They are hooked, lined, and sinkered. Wow, he is wounded. Whoa, he healed. Hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, yeah, don't give me that Jesus stuff. I guess maybe you're not called. It's crazy. Because they've chose to reject Jesus as the Lord of their lives, they're going to worship this one who was wounded and healed. And who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? I can answer that. Our God can kick the beast all the way down the street, you chump. I mean, who who, who can? We, We already know the answer to that. And it just baffles me and is amazing to me about this, that the world is going to follow this one who has some cheap miracles. But who did more signs and wonders and miracles in one day than this beast? And we don't, we don't have time for that. He was rejected. I mean, you and I, as we get up and we go to work, go to school, as we w- w- walk in the neighborhood, as we go to the store, whatever, wherever we go, we are walking miracles of the grace of God as God called us and saved us. Oh, no, 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 don't tell me about that. But again, in these parts of the world where we, where we live, there's a lot of people that want to hear. They want to see you, and they want to hear your testimony. But you got to have feet and you got to walk and you got to share with them. But this fake one, he's their champion. It baffles me. I mean, the impact that the healing of this beast has upon the entire world devil worship. It's crazy. But see, the world today thinks we're crazy. I mean, this is going to happen where they exchange the truth of God for the lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. It's going to happen. It's crazy to me. And the beast was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, no doubt, all against God's people and God's ways. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So for 42 months, the beast will say something and it will actually happen. Wow, that would be amazing. You know, political leaders today, they they battle it out, and they're like, oh, we're going to do this. They never really seem to do anything. But during these 42 months, just think what someone could do when they are given the authority to get it done, and it actually gets done. It's easy to see how people are going to go, wow, this this guy is the greatest. He's doing it. But he's the beast, it's, it's devil worship. I mean, look at what the devil did to Job on those two different occasions when he was given authority to rattle his cage. God's going to give him authority for 42 months. I mean, the beast will have this authority for 42 months. And he will not only be the rock star, policy maker, politician getting it all done, he's going to have a mouth to back it up. Verse 6. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, God's tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Who's that? <laughs> That's us. Whoa! Whoa, you're hurting me right now. Hey, did anybody hear anything? No, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> you know? But he, he uh, it's crazy. It just proves the beast is a big bully and a punk. It was granted to him, the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. In context, this is death. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. It will be fashionably, politically correct, and cool to kill these tribulation saints who love and follow after Jesus during this time of the world's history. So where's God Almighty in this time? Please understand, he's very much in control. Look look, look how this reads. It was granted to him, God's not sleeping here. God's watching all of this go down. People chose to delay their decision for Christ. And this is them. Now, the mid-toasty and post-toasty, you know who that is? You know, the mid-tribulationist, the post tribulationists See, they will tell you, because this is like their key verse, they'll tell you, hey, right here, the saints, that's the bride of Christ. It's the church. And they use the first part of verse 7 as a proof that the church is going to go through the tribulation period. Right there it says it. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. The saints got to be there if he's going to make war with them. Boy, you got me on that. (laughs) But if you use the middle part of the same verse, you'll find that that argument holds no water because no one or no thing will ever be able to overcome the bride of Christ because Jesus is on record in Matthew 16, verse 18, where he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I, will, I, Jesus says, will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, period. See, Jesus predicted that Hades, the devil, or anything else that is evil, would not be able to stand and prevail against his bride. So there's no way that these saints here in verse 7 are you and me. They are those who waited too long to repent, turn to Jesus, and do works befitting repentance. They waited too long. That's who they are. They're they're not the church. You see, if you push Jesus from the authority of your life and put yourself and your needs before God, please understand you're following the path of the devil. What? Here, let me read it again. If you push Jesus from the authority of your life, think about what the devil did. I don't want you, God. And you put yourself and your knees before God. That's what he did. You're following the path of the devil. Now, that's an exact quote from Skip. So don't call me 555 3440 880 You can call him, but I agree with him. In the last days, people are going to push away the authority of God. And they're going to live with the way they want to live. Church, we got to realize that in these last days we're living in where everything around us is telling us to live for ourselves and love ourselves and to be the authority over our lives, if we're living in a day where Jesus is not the master of and over our life, if he's not the shot caller of our life, then you're following the path of the devil because that's what he did. You know, that might be a little upsetting or unsettling to you. But that's okay, because I want to make certain that all of us get into, the, into, the, into heaven through the rapture and not have to wait behind for this. If I'm following the path of self-love and place myself as the El Hefe in charge, that's what the devil did as he threw off God's authority that was around him and he put himself and his needs before God. That's what he did. We don't want to be found that way. I mean, how can I finish the race that Jesus has marked out for me if I choose to live that way of throwing off his authority and only dealing with myself? I'm not going to finish because I'm following the same path of the devil that he took and he doesn't finish. It's critical. You know, it's game on. It's game time. You know, the whole, the whole thought of Jesus coming back is supposed to have a, profound effect upon our lives. You know, it baffles me when Christians say, well, I prayed about it. Well, what did Jesus say? Well, I prayed about it. Because see, what's happening in Christianity, today, team, is people are praying about it, and and then then they're just going to do whatever they want to do. You can't, it doesn't work that way. You pray about it, and God speaks to you. Well, you didn't speak to me. Well, then just keep praying. Paul prayed three times until Jesus spoke to him. Hey, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. You just keep praying. You don't take up life and matters into your own hands. James writes about that. He says it's that those that do that, it's boasting. It's critical that we live this way in the last days because the Bible talks about this great falling away. Well, in order to fall away, you had to have been where you needed to be. I don't want to see that happen to anybody here. We've got to stay in tight because look, look how this plays out. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. I don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. We don't even want our neighbors to be that to where as we look at all this, man, this should stir something in us. To be passionate for the souls of men because this is what awaits them. To have a loose touch on the things of the world. To be investing our treasure in heaven because you know what? Jesus could come back tonight and everything that you leave behind is for the Antichrist. doesn't sound good. This is what's going to happen. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, verse 8, whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear a solemn word of warning, team. You know, it's not written like we saw in chapters two and three. You know, whoever has an ear, ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. No, it's not worded that way. This is written to the individual. It's written to the individual who has an ear right now, today. And I pray each one of us do. We we have an ear to hear. That we're living life today as if it's our last day. That we take that inventory when we wake up. We take that inventory w- when we lay down. And we wake up the next day excited going, Lord, what do you want to do through me today? Lord, heals my life. It's yours. You know, you know, It's all part of that. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Verse 10, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. It's all payback from God. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword, as, as in a sense it seems like God's talking to these tribulation saints. And so he's going on record here, whatever anyone does to any of those who have turned from their sins and turned to Jesus walking with me, God's saying they're going to receive the same. Whatever they do to my kids, they're going to get back. And then John writes here, here's the patience and the faith of the saints, but it's the tribulation saints, the ones who waited too long to allow Jesus to be the Lord of their life. All of this points to them. You know, someone with conviction and authority, will you say this? It didn't have to be that way. See, God's made a way today for Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life to where you abide in Him and He abides in you and the Bible says you bear much fruit. And that is always fruit that someone else partakes of. You know, because your trees in your yard, if they're fruit trees, they don't produce fruit and then eat it. No, they produce fruit and the squirrels eat it. You know, but a a tree never eats of its own fruit. And God has made a way today. You know, no one's going to be able to take on the Antichrist in his ways like we see in some of the end time movies today. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be... Easy being a tribulation believer. And John is encouraging these tribulation saints that get saved during those seven years and are still alive to hold on to the end. See, they have to go the distance as well, just like you and I do. Though they are attacked and killed, they must be steadfast, immovable in their faith in Jesus. And see, they're steadfast and immovable in their faith in Jesus, knowing that God's gonna take out whoever takes them out. But they still have to finish. Just like we have to finish. You know, you know, nobody gets a reward or a prize if you don't finish. you got to finish. Now, if things weren't bad enough already, we have a sequel to the first movie we just looked at in verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. This would be another of the same kind. If you look ahead, it's the fal- his, he's called the false prophet. But here he's called the beast. And in the first one was coming out of the sea. This one's coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. He spoke like a dragon. Notice that he looks like a nice little lamb chop on the outside. Well, a nice little pet lamb. But he speaks like the devil, which reveals his true nature on the inside. He's deceptive. He's all lying. I mean, he is slick, willy to the max type of stuff right here. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I mean, we're commanded by God to search the scriptures to see if what people are saying today is true. And here's this guy, you're going to come on the scene and everyone's just going to believe him. Team, you and I have never, should never be afraid of seeking to judge what you and I hear here. I'm never offended by that. It's critical. You can't just sit there and listen and go, yeah, that's true. But that's what's happening today in the life of the church. We've got to be judging everything that is spoken today back by the word of God. You know, don't let the charming outside fool you. Listen to what they say and take it back into the Scriptures and then stand for the truth. And I understand. There's some guys out there. I would love to go to lunch with them. I'm sure they'd be fun. But when it comes to their content, that's not in the Bible. You've got to bring them. No, where do they get that stuff from? We've got to li- judge by what we listen to. You know, this beast here is coming out of the dirt. The Greek word for beast in verse 1 is used here in verse 11. One was rising out of the sea. This guy is rising out of the dirt. And as the first beast is coming out of the tree, out of the sea, tries to be like a false Jesus in the Trinity, the false prophet here will try to act as the Holy Spirit and seeking to guide and direct people to worship the beast as the devil sets up his religious order here. And it's a total counterfeit. As the Holy Spirit of God seeks to draw men to himself that they might be saved and grow and walk and encouraged in their walk with uh, Jesus and worship of Jesus, the devil's cheap counterfeit will seek to do the exact same thing, but towards the devil in his deception and toward his lies. We speak and preach peace, they're going to preach peace through evil. It's all happening. And so the devil's going to move all of his players into position, seeking to bring about massive destruction through lies and deceit. Why? Well, we saw it back in chapter 12, verse 12. Because he knows his time is coming to an end. He knows he only has a short time. He knows his number is up. His ticket's been punched. So he wants to kill and destroy as many people as he can. And these are two of his pawns right here. My first guess, this dude coming out of the earth is is not human, but what it is, don't really know. But we know he's called a false prophet when we get to Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. And so here they come. They're they're different in appearance. This one's like a Greek word, little lamb. It's not like a full-grown lamb. No, he looks like a little lamb, a little pet lamb, whose authority will be more spiritual and the other beast with the heads and the horns and the crowns coming with power, his, his tack is going to be more political. So the devil's going to have his political leader and his spiritual leader, and, and they're going to look like problem solvers, but on the inside, both beasts are pure, unadulterated evil, venomous evil that the world's going to worship. Look what he look at what he does here, verse 12. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. There's no option here. Worship or die. That's it. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. Woohoo! Wow, magical. Hey. God's people did that. Remember the two witnesses in chapter 11? They called fire down. And so here the devil has his guy working as a cheap counterfeiter. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24 that these false prophets would emerge and do their miracles seeking to deceive. And here he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do. Please take notice of that in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Okay, so, and I'm going to do this one, one more time. Where's God? Still there. Who grants him authority here? I, I, I'm not certain, but I know this. God's not on vacation. He's allowing this evil to take place as they bring God's judgment to a world that has rejected his son. This is what awaits your friends, co-workers, neighbors, Family. This is what awaits them. You know, it's like, hey, we don't want Jesus. So God says, okay, you don't want Jesus? Well, I'll give you the devil because that's what you want. And so God just gives them what they want. The false prophet, beast here in verse 15, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that, that was, they made. Please notice, was granted to give breath, not life. Big difference only breath, that the image of the beast should be both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So is this like some Abe Lincoln thing at Disneyland? I don't think so. It says it speaks. It might be animated image of some sort that breathes, but we're going to see he's going to be a killing machine, this thing that they make here. You know, my personal choice with no Bible backup is this image gets placed in the Jews' temple, totally mocking God, because it's going to get placed somewhere. Again, our interesting phrase all the way down through this, which he was granted to do. God is still outside of space and time in total control as he allows the devil to do his bidding. You know, verse 16 becomes the fruit of rejecting Jesus. This breathing image of the beast that... Is made causes all, and that would be all under the government of the first beast, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one can you say no one that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Want to go to Costco? Better have a beat, better have a mark. Want to go to the football game? Better have a mark. Gas? Better have a mark. And I understand in the end time movies that are made today, there's all kinds of exceptions to this. And that's my issue with the movies. So then they cause us to think one way. But if we just let the word of God speak for himself, there is no exceptions. There's no second chance if you take the mark. Plus the third angel in the next chapter will declare that. It says that no one may buy or sell except. That closes all the loopholes. See, the movies include loopholes, but see, this closes them all out. And I hope we all know we have this te- technology to do this. We've had it for a long time. When my son was in kindergarten in 1992, they had the RFID chip that they're putting in animals so animals could be found. And, and in the little scholastic news that came home, I still ha- actually I still have it, it says, wow, wouldn't it be great if little Timmy could find his cat because they put that chip in there? And So it's been around even before that. But it's been being propagated in the hearts of our kids. In 1992, all our credit cards have chips in them. I mean, we're their team. When health care was being debated back in 2010, listen to this off the Obamacare website entitled, Dispelling the Myths About Obamacare. I saw it, I kept it, and I quote, There was no mention of a mandatory RFID implant. That's the CHIP in the Affordable Care Act. But there was, in an earlier version of the law, HR 3200. So it may not be in the one that's law now, the one that's passed, but someone put it in there sometime as it was being discussed. And I get that. I can see how it would be so much easier. You go to the doctor. How many forms you got to fill out? You know, no, first do it online. Then you get there and they, and they go, well, here's the forms. No, I already filled them out. Oh, these are those forms. So I can understand how this would be easier. I can see how the chips would have great value. No wallet, no purse, nothing to get lost or carry. Thieves would carry, you know, I guess machetes and cut your head off or cut your arm off to, you know, rob you. So I can see how that would be easier. But the devil, and this is what we need to understand, the devil is going to use this technology for his evil purposes. They've been putting chips into seals for years so they can track them. And they always know where they are. So the technology is, is fine. It's part of us now, but it's when the devil's involved. And when it's like, this is the way it's going to be. So we don't have to be concerned about the technology today. I know, I know there's people that go get oh, it's like, listen. It's who we are right now. We live, that's, we live in a technological you know, empire right now. We don't have to worry about it. Because when this is in play, we're out of here. And if you're still here, when this is happening, you're in big trouble. You better be finding a cross and run into it. Here is wisdom, verse 18. I'm going to go on record. I don't have any I'm go on record. I don't have any of that either. Let him, him who has understanding, calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, his number is 666. And seeing that, I don't have any wisdom or understanding. I have no desire to wade into the 666 thing. I don't. God bless all of you who do. You can keep the book writers in business by reading all of their stuff. But no one's going to know. And even when the world knows, I don't think we're going to know because we're going to be safely tucked away in heaven. But this is the way it's going to go down. It's going to go down this way. The, the world today has an opportunity to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the true Christ. But if they miss that, they're going to get an opportunity to worship the true Christ during the tribulation period. It'll be a lot harder. But if they miss that, they're going to worship the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet. They're going to bow down and worship the devil. You see, those things have to weigh on our hearts a little bit. They, they should stir something up in us to where we realize if, if we don't at least, it's Christmas time, send a Christmas letter, share the gospel, send a track. And I just want you to know the true meaning of Jesus that, that God had to be born so he could die for the sin of the world. I mean, that's true. We've got to seize the opportunity, church, people all around us hurting, dying, killing themselves, looking for the lost, looking for some type of hope. You know, I had this I don't know if it's a revelation of just life itself on Wednesday. But you and I, we Pray for those that are lost that God would go after them. And Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes into the world that he's going to convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. And of righteousness because, because Jesus has resurrected and of, and of the judgment because the rule of this world has been judged. And so, so that's God's doing his part. He's convicting the world of their sin. But see, the world today is is going to drugs to try and put away that conviction because they don't like that feeling. Number one and number two reason for why people around Montgomery County kill themselves is they have no hope and they have no long-term relationships. That's Christ. See, we, the church in Montgomery County, we have the answer for what people are longing for. They're empty. Jesus, God's word says in Romans that God has built that emptiness in them that they might come to recognize and realize that they have this issue in their lives. But see, today, people fill it with all this counterfeit stuff. But church, team, you and I, we got the truth. We, got, we, we know it. We own it. And as we see all this stuff that's going to go down, it's got to do something in us. It's got to stir something in it. It's got to move us into a place of taking steps of faith. Whether I'm at the restaurant, Walking down the street, it's got to move us. The application has to be: this stuff moves us to be watching for the return of Christ and having a passionate soul, uh, heart for the lost souls, and having a loose grip on the things of this world. It's got to move us, because see, if we look at this and go, "Yeah, okay, yep, that's the beast. He came, yep," and we walk out of here unchanged, then the Word of God has never impacted our hearts. It's got to move us somehow. Father, we're thankful for your word, for the pictures that are here, the the things that you want us to see and